Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I had degenerative arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing, and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Going to work, crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one on two. And Jost. McKinnon. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. Today is going to be a little bit of a different episode as I don't have either Jess Montano or Adrian Dater hanging out alongside me today because it's actually Sunday and we're recording this day early and you guys will hear this on Monday, so none of this is relevant to you. But I am here with a longtime BSN listener and one of our uh, one of our Canadian pals. Uh, you guys will know him as Luke from Winnipeg. Luke, what's up, dude? Not too much. How are you, buddy? Uh, I can't complain. I was, uh, we were in the middle of our BSN, uh, end of the year party last night. Jesse and I were watching on our phones as the Americans fell to Finland late in the third period in the gold medal game. But, uh, we were both pretty excited that they medaled at all because, you know, our friends to the north didn't bother showing up. <laughs> no, they just they decided not to play very well against Finland or, you know, and now everyone has their own conspiracy theory and want to f- have Tim Hunter fired and why did you do this? Why did you do that? And it's like, come on, they lost. They didn't play well. Move on with your sad little life. Why, why is Hockey Canada so incompetent? <laughs> why haven't they moved into where the NHL is going and start doing it properly? I mean, but. real talk. Why? Why does everything feel so political with them all the time? If, if I had an answer, I'd know. I'd tell you. I have no idea. I I don't understand a couple things about how, uh, like you you know the whole PEP thing has only just started taking off here, and it was, you know, it's been in the states with the under development program for a couple of years already. Like I. I I just think personally, I just think they're just not moving ahead with where people are going and what people want. And the U.S. has. Finland definitely has. You look at the other European countries and they're all just moving ahead 
and where hockey's going. Canada just seems to be stuck, and this is what we're doing. This has worked for us, and it's not working anymore. So <laughs> it might be well, a rough ride for Canada for a while. The uh, the hockey world is, uh, speaking as a member of the non-Canadian hockey world, we are glad to be free from the tyranny of the oppressors known as Canada. <laughs> uh, international competition, at least for... Uh, the next few months until world championships inevitably change that. Yes. So yeah. Luke, let's uh, we're here to talk about WJCs as a whole, not just the disappointment of team Canada, which was delightful as always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's, let's get into the actual WJCs here. We're going to start, we're going to kind of run down some of the tournament. Uh, we're not going to, you know, the team success and failures, Fairly irrelevant outside of me making fun of Canada as much as I possibly can because <laughs> it doesn't get to happen. I don't. I don't get to do it very often. So you might as well take. Uh, absolutely, especially the level of failure that they experienced in the WJ. It wasn't like they finished with a silver medal or something, and like they still ended up walking out with a medal. And I'm like, oh well. Yeah, the not the non medals win. win <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, okay, so let's let's jump in. Uh, we've had four Avalanche prospects participate in the WJCs. We were hopeful it was going to be five. Sampo Ranta uh, inevitably uh, did not uh, do anything for Finland, no. so we're just going to cut that out right now. Yeah, he was um, cheerleader, and uh, I hope he was a really good cheerleader. Sticking well, I mean, hey, they won they won gold, so maybe <laughs> yeah. he gets part of the credit. There you go. He might get a medal. Yeah, I wonder how that works. Like, you know, with like you win the Stanley Cup, you have to have played X number of games to get your name on the cup. Like, I wonder, yep. does does Sampo Ranta get a gold medal? I, w- I wonder if he will, but then he was the only one out of the whole Finland team that was, I guess, brought there that wasn't named to the team or registered. So it, it could be interesting. I hope they give him one just because, you know, you were there, you practiced, you just didn't play. Right. Right, like just be nice. Just give him a medal. Make him feel better. Just right. Maybe I'll give just, him. Just, just give him a medal. Come on. <laughs> Here's your participation trophy, and I hope it works. Yeah. Even though we do not support that. Exactly. It was such a such a such a millennial approach to things. So let's yeah. just give him one. Yeah. All right. I can hear I can hear Adrian screaming in the background already <laughs> about millennials and their participation trophies. Come on, he was a plus uh, okay. hero, so he shouldn't complain. Too true. Too true. <laughs> uh let's get into let's let's stick with uh the failures of Team Canada and we'll start there with one of Colorado's top prospects in Shane Bowers, uh the the Boston University centerman who did make Team Canada. Luke, what did you what did you see from Bowers? You were you were tweeting at me like shift by shift stuff every <laughs> single game that he played. So uh, you know what? Just give me give me kind of a rundown of what what you saw. Okay, well, first off, for those who don't know who the Avalanche are, and more importantly, Shane Bowers, or we got him in the Matt Duchesne trade. He was first overall pick or first round pick, twenty eighth overall in the Kale McCarr draft. Um, he plays for BU. Eight points, 15 games so far. It might be more. I haven't really updated it in a while. Um, he had two assists. Still in, correct. Excellent. He had two assists in five games, and they lost in the quarterfinal against Finland. Um, you're getting your future 3C. I think that's, to me, that's where he's going to be. 
come two years. In two years, that's where he's going. He's taking Soderbergh's spot. Um, he is basically a mini Soderbergh. And that's the easy comparison that I can think of. Um, he does have, he, he's aggressive on the puck. He covers the slot very well in the defensive zone. He attacks the offensive zone very, very well. He's a brilliant transition player. Um, he, he, this, I, I can't see him much more than, you know, a 3C. He might push for 2C spot, maybe a left wing, because he did play wing. And whenever he did play wing, he was always on the slot side. So he was always down center ice. So if they're on the left side, he was on the right. If he was on the right side, he was on the left. And he played it really well. Like, you're, you're getting a hell of a kid. And he's got phenomenal IQ as well. Um, he makes players around him better. Like that, to me, that's what he does. Like, it's not going to be flashy. It's going to be meat and potatoes, drive the net, cover the puck, you know, protect it, find the open guy, and if no one's open, it goes to the smart area. Like that that's what you're getting. So I was very impressed. So given his current timeline, uh, and the fact that when I talked to him over the summer, he told me he plans for this to be his last year at BU, you say that you see him as a Soderberg replacement, which is kind of how I've always viewed him as well. Mm-hmm. But Soderbergh's got a year left on his deal, and he's played pretty well for the Avs this year. Uh, what do you What do you think uh, would make most sense for him moving forward, uh, and kind of his timeline um, in, in terms of signing and going pro? Um, for, first of all, I'm signing him this year. As soon as uh, Boston University gets knocked out, or as soon as uh, his, their season finishes, like the the ELC is on his desk. Um, uh-huh. I would probably for this year, um, I'd throw him in the AHL, get him, get him accustomed to the pro game. And then come next year, I think if, if Soderbergh's still around, right. I think that's, that's an important thing to remember is that he might not be around come draft, but you know, it, let, for this argument, say, let's say he's around. Um, I think you throw him in the AHL for a year. I don't think there will be anything wrong with teaching him the pro game at the position you want him to be in while logging big minutes in for the Eagles. Um, I think there could be an argument to be made that he could push for a 4C spot and maybe a wing spot on there. But, you know, with that, you're limiting his minutes. You're limiting, you know, potential development, which where if he was in the Eagles, he could be getting a lot more, right? Like he'll be... Sure. Like that that's kind of where he's he's just about there but you know there's nothing wrong with a year of development and maybe he does half a year kind of like what Confer did and come back, you know, come up, you know, halfway through, you know, January or February and then slot him in and go because next year's also Matt Nieto's last year. So he might, you know, Nieto might be a trade bait towards the end and then you you got your impulse replacement right there. Okay, and then uh, so I would say with Kamenev still also hanging around, the uh, the four C competition would definitely get interesting with Shane Bowers and yes, so it it would. Um, all right, well, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Bowers. Uh, let's let's move on to another guy that's already playing pro hockey uh, here in in North America in in Colorado. In Colorado, uh, Martin Kaut had. Uh, he was over there 
Uh, three goals and an assist, five games played. Did you get a Did you get a chance to see uh, much of Martin Kaut? Because every time I saw him, man, I thought he looked really good. He, so I saw the, what, I saw the, what are your thoughts? I saw the Canada game where he played. Um, I saw bits and pieces of the U.S. one. I guess the quarterfinal game, which U.S. won. Uh, he, he's, yeah, he, he's as advertised, man. Like he's he's a non-flashy player, but he does everything right. Like he he'll go to the corner, get the puck. He'll stay in the slot. He won't get pushed out of the slot. When the puck goes to the net, he drives the net. Um, when he's in the defensive zone, he's usually covering somebody, and he's <laughs> he's he, he, he's gonna be a solid pro for this team. Like he, he's never gonna flash you with you know skill, but he's gonna do everything right. And like you just can't ask for much more than that. But yeah, he was he was very good. I'm excited about Kaut. Uh, he we we saw a little bit of the goal scoring. Uh, we saw the 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 hockey IQ, mm-hmm. and and I think that's I think that's the biggest takeaway from the guys they've already drafted. Um, that that we're we're gonna see a common thread here between these cats is that you know Bowers and Kaut both very smart yes. players, and. The IQ takes them a long way. This next guy we're going to talk about, another very smart player. Um, but Kaut, what I what I really like is that he looks at WJCs. He just he looked like this guy was ready for more. Yes, he was ready for something else. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know the rest of the year play out with the Eagles. Uh, is there any doubt in your mind that this guy pushes for? an NHL roster spot next year? Um, I have him slotted in next to Soderberg next year come beginning of the season. Like I, th- I think him, Calvert, and Soderberg should be a line. I think that's how you introduce him to the NHL because it, it's faster. And I think from there he's going he's gonna to work his way up. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's an NHL nerd next year. Unless barring something crazy happening, that's where he's going to be. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think he will help this team a lot. Yes, he just yeah. because, like you said, he he does the right things, mm-hmm. and I think that this is that's something that the current group, uh, the current Avalanche, maybe need another guy or two that just play, you know, quote unquote, the right way. Yeah, he there, there's not going to be too much of a roller coaster with him. Like it's going to be this is what he is, and he's going to grow as the season comes. He don't expect. You know, like Mitch Marner type heroics out of him. Like, don't don't ex <laughs> don't don't expect you know that kind of player because he's not. But you know, maybe it maybe a right. bit more of a comparable, but without the speed, um, would be the uh, maybe Ehlers type in Winnipeg, but without the you know the speed. Like he plays right. He drives whenever he gets the puck. He might not have you know the high end skill that he has, but he drives really well. And you know what yeah. you're gonna get on every night he's a very meat and potatoes kind of guy yeah and they need that like the abs absolutely need a guy who's it's it's very basic it's very black and white and simple and it's very repeatable yeah you you have flash already with mckinnon you have you know ranton as well and you you know you've got your high-end guys now you need guys to support that by not making glaring errors not having the roller coaster type seasons where people are pulling out their hair and wondering why he's still on the roster. 
Well, and and just imagine like some stability for a guy like Jost or Kerfoot Comper. Yes, that out is next to them where they can just rely on that guy on the right side. They know what they're getting every night from him, and mm-hmm. he's got enough skill where it's not gonna it's not gonna frustrate you. You know where you're like, oh my god, this guy ruins everything because <laughs> he just can't handle that level of of skill. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to him. Uh, obviously, we get to see him here in the AHL. Uh, so you know we're already pretty familiar with what he is. This next guy, yeah. a bit of a darling, I would say. Of if you were if you were watching the the Russian games, um, the Avs drafted him 171st overall. Uh, <laughs> in, in Nikolai Kovalenko, uh, he's had a he's had a solid year uh in the khl he's got he's got five points in 24 games playing for locomotive uh put up three points in six games in the wjc's here at a goal and, and two assists uh what were your what were your thoughts on kovalenko who felt like kind of a, a little bit of a mini breakout star at this tournament um first first thing i noticed was he's very defensively smart like i don't know if that was a team thing, but when they played Canada, they, they shut Canada out. Like besides the first goal where they, you know, glass kind of slid in and shot from the slot, they, they shut Canada out and he was very much a part of that. He, he played the defensive side really, really well. He was aggressive, which I liked. He used his stick really well. And, you know, he, he got a shorthanded goal for a reason. And, uh, you know, not not in the Canada game, but the game before, and then he got injured. But he he that's what I first that's the first thing you notice. He defensively, he's he's really smart. And but on top of that, he's got great skill. Well, like him in open areas. Uh acumen with the uh shorthanded goal. Yep. He uh you know, he broke it up, passed it up, and he just went straight to the net and he got the I'd say the easy tip in. And shot off, and it it worked, and that's that's how you do it. And he's that that's the one thing that I was blown away by because I thought going in he was just speed and skill. He plays you know the neutral zone and the offensive zone really well, and you know kind of skates by on the you know the defensive zone doesn't do much. But him playing the defensive zone blew me away on how good he was. And you know, like I said before, on top of the high end skill, the you know he he plays a quick game, and you know that that. You know, that, that vision was was really, you know, it was quite impressive to see. I was I was surprised by uh, how defensively solid he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you never really know. And obviously, Russians always have that stigma, right? Yes. Like, do they, do they play hard, you know, and it's and it's a nonsense. Right. And it's 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 nonsense because there there are plenty of you know, Finnish players and Swedish players and Canadians and Americans that do the same thing that, that everyone just does disappear. it like, but Russians have that stigma where they have to, you know, prove, Hey, you care about more than just highlight real goals. Yeah. And I really, I, I mean, I, I, I was surprised mostly because I just haven't seen him play a whole lot. Uh, but I, I was surprised and I, a guy who's not, I mean, he's not real big. No, he's only like five ten or something like that. Yeah, right, and and not particularly stocky. Like he's not like thickly built. 
he's just really effective on the ice and i was really encouraged by that um i've i've been i've liked what i've heard out of his uh his his khl season uh not coming over anytime soon though no I, from from the information i've gathered that he's he's staying there for at least one more year if not two like i'm not sure you might be able to answer this did he sign a three-year deal with uh I believe, he did. I believe it was a three-year contract. Uh, yeah. And I don't, you, you never know like what the outs look like. No, no, you don't. So it's, so yeah, it's it, a three-year deal. Just double yeah. checking. So it's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, you look at, you know, the avalanche and their contract situation it's as yeah. much as I'd love to have them here, you know, right away. Cause you always want your prospects here, especially ones that are, you know, glowing. You, you want them here, but you know, you look at the end game of it. It's like, well, you know, this guy's going to be, needs to come. That guy needs to come. We can let him develop there and then bring him over later. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So if he stays the three years, uh, in, in Russia, you know, he'll, he'll come over for his age 22 season. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it work, obviously, uh, high, higher profile, you know, Kuznetsov did that after he was drafted in the first round, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they drafted him in, in 2010 and he did not make his, uh, Washington debut until, uh, 2013. And, you know, you look at him, he's a Stanley cup champion and you could have easily given him, you know, the, the MVP of you know, the playoffs last year with what he did. Right. Probably, probably earned it, but you're not getting, you're not passing Ovi. Yeah. But after after everything you went through, like, yeah, yeah. not going to happen. No, (laughs) but you know, it's, I'm I'm not saying he's going to be like that, but that, that development timeline, I think that's very, yeah, that's, that, that's a good place to start. Right. So, and I, you know, I use that obviously again, like not saying he's going to be Kuznetsov caliber, but there is precedent for the Russian guys getting drafted and they, okay. So they've signed these contracts and they stay there and then they come over in the early twenties and they, the thing is, man, is like, it's not, it's not like they're not, you know, if he's, if he's going to be a KHL regular, it's not like Kovalenko is not going to get plenty of uh, development over there. Yeah. It's it's not like the Igor situation where he was playing, but a minute to three minutes a night. Where you were wasting right, everybody's time. Exactly. I mean, he wasted a year of his life last year, essentially. And that's not the case with Coca Kovalenko and Locomotive. No. He, he's getting playing time. How much? I, I really couldn't tell you. I haven't really dug too much into that. But, you know, you look at what he did at WJC's against his own age group, and he stood his own. He was, you know, great defensive forward, and he put up, you know, points. Like, what, what more can you ask from a kid who, you know, 171st overall. Like, so you, you can't ask for much more than that. Absolutely. Well, let's move on. Um, fourth and final guy that we're going to get to that, that was an avalanche prospect. Um, haven't really gotten to see much of him. Uh, Colorado drafted him 146th overall this past summer. Uh, Danila Zhiravalov played, uh, played for the Russians. And uh, not, 
you know, a guy that we had sort of uh, had been billed to us as kind of a, a puck mover, an offensive guy, um, has not had that kind of year to back that up. You know, he's got uh, zero points in the season in the VHL. He had just one assist at WJCs in seven games. Luke, what a what did you see from him? And is this is this a guy that warrants any excitement at all? Um. <laughs> He, yeah, well, he, he did play top, you know, defensive pair, which, you know, is encouraging, but he didn't, he, he played a very defensive minded game. Um, his, his breakout was and transition in the, the, his defensive zone to the neutral zone was interesting. There were a couple times where he banked the puck off the boards and it wouldn't go where he wanted to because he's looking where it's going to. He bank it, and then it's like, why is this short? And I think the ice effect, the, the size of the arena affected him, in my opinion. I think that really didn't help the cause. But you know, as the tournament went on, he got better. Um, but him not being an offensive guy surprised me because I thought he'd drive play and stuff like that, and he didn't. He was very get the puck, get it out. And when they were in the offensive zone, he was very much like, keep the puck in, get it deep. And that's basically all he did. But, you know, I was too billed as this guy's an offensive guy and he drives play. And I didn't see that to be totally honest. So <laughs> it was, it was interesting. Like, but you know, it, it's a Russian kid who, you know, I'd never heard of before in my life until, Oh, the avalanche grabbed him in the fifth round. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean that was a guy that uh, they they ended up with two fifth rounders after their move down from the second round. Yep, uh, and he was. I mean, that's the guy that they took before Sajin and before Kovalenko, who have both had very good years. Yep. So this was this was obviously a guy that they were prioritizing, a guy that they really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what what did you what did you think of his skating ability? Because I. I mean, it's the abs. It's something that they have really, really emphasized heavily in the back end the last couple yeah. of years. Uh, is guys that can just flat out skate, and then hey, we'll teach them how to play hockey from there. Yeah, um, it it's there. I think he can he can skate well, but he you know every project needs to get bigger, faster, stronger. That goes without saying. But there, yeah. there was he needs to clean it up. Like I think the stride is there. Like he, there was one sequence against Canada where he got the puck at his own blue line. No one was open, and he just started skating. Um, but it wasn't fast. It, he looked like he was always waiting for like the outlet pass, so he he didn't really get into full stride. Which mm-hmm. is, I I can see his point, but nah, I, I wasn't overly you know happy with that. But he, you know, skating wise, I don't think it's going to be an issue. It's it's he needs to, he needs to clean it up. I think that's going to be the thing. It's not like he's, you know, skating with a blocks and they cement blocks on his feet. Like he can move, but he right. just needs to be cleaned up. It was for me. I thought it was interesting because he was like when he was drafted. That's that's what we got, right? He's a yeah. good puck mover. He's a really good skater. Uh, he's got to figure out the rest of his game, though. And yeah. I. I just didn't see, I didn't love the mobility. Like I thought it was fine. 
yeah it just didn't stand out the way i was expecting it to and of 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 the prospects i think Zhiravalov was easily the biggest disappointment um of of the wjc kids yes i i would i would agree next to sam paranda who just didn't do nothing yeah, well, I mean, obviously, he didn't even get a chance to play, which is a different kind of disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I, I, it seems like what we were billed as and what he needed to work on were flipped. Like in my, right. opinion. like that, that's where I'm coming. Uh, that's where I'm kind of going with it. Um, maybe they they draft him because they they feel that hey, he he might come over and sooner rather than later, and they figured hey, if we can get this guy in our system, we can clean him up a lot quicker. I don't know. Yeah. That that's something more your ends, but No, it's Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure what his contract status is. Um so I I don't really know like what kind of position he's in uh to to maybe come over uh after a year kind of like yeah. Igor did. Um but he, he is a guy that I would like to bring over. He but it's also in, he's 18. Right, so he can go to right. WSA JC next year, and you know, with, with him, you know, as, you know, for just the fans listening, like that's where I I would want to see growth. Like next year, he should be one of the best defensemen there for Russia, assuming he goes. Right, and that I think that's where you're gonna. Hopefully, we see something a little better. Yeah, definitely want to see steps forward from him. Yes, um, was was a bit of a letdown. Uh, Luke, do you have any any final thoughts on Avs prospects as a whole at WJCs this year? Uh, no, I think I think we covered it. I think be excited about Bowers. Be very excited about Bowers. Um, Martin Kaut, you know, NHLer next year. It's not too and Kovalenko, you know that the kid's got skill, man. He's you know look look forward to him as well in a few years. All right, it's going to wrap it up for segment number one here. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. Don't go away. On the uh, other side, we're going to get into everybody's favorite debate at the top of the draft. Are you a Jack Hughes guy? Are you a Capo Cacao guy? Uh, We'll get into that next, so uh, stick around. We'll be right back. There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and and that's just something that, you know, I I think that I bring them a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have, I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business. 
Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Welcome in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. I am AJ, he is Luke, we are us, and we are here hanging out talking about the recently completed WJCs in which Team Canada was irrelevant. <laughs> America. Silver medal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> F yeah. So let's, let's, uh, you know, we talked about the guys that the Evs have already drafted and thanks to the uh, brilliance of Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators, the Avs got a good look at some top five, top 10 prospects uh, in the draft this year. Not as many as there have been in previous years uh, as, as a lot of the, the, the studs that will be in making up the top of this draft did not make the, not make their, their, their country's teams. So uh, a couple of them did though, including the top two prospects of the draft. Uh, Jack Hughes out of the United States, and um, uh, oh my God, I just forgot his first name. Capo uh, Caco. I I'm looking at his name, and I I'm like, okay, it's Caco. What's his first name? AJ. Uh, yeah, Capo Caco from from Finland, and then uh, like a on a lower tier, but still a top ten guy. Uh, Russia's Vasily Podkolzin. Um, Let's uh, you know, let's I I, I want to do let's do Pud Coles at first, just because let's kind of quote unquote get it out of the way. Uh, as of right now, Ottawa is at the bottom of the NHL standings. They now have sole <laughs> possession of last place. They also have uh, several games played, more games played than the teams uh, that are are hanging around them in the standings. So their futility is very real. Uh, I don't think the Avalanche are in position to realistically take Pod Coles in if they get into the top four of the draft, which is where they are right now. So uh, Pod Coles in, I'll just three assists in seven games. I like his skill level. He's creative. Um, I I think he's he's dynamic. He's a lot of fun to watch. Yes, and I like. That. Yes, he is. Um, really. Uh, you know, just uh, a, a guy that would be in serious consideration, you know, solid size, uh, high skill level, uh, works hard, does, you know, does a lot of the things that you really want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like I really like his his overall game. I, I like him as a player. I think he's going to be a, a good fit for somebody in the top 10 probably the top seven but uh, yeah I as, of, fair. as of now in the top in the top four picks uh which is where colorado would have that pick he he probably wouldn't be there uh just give me give me some quick thoughts uh if i haven't already touched on them um <laughs> what did you what did you see from pod Coles in, in uh in wjc's this year um he's highly competitive um you know you, you mentioned the skill you know, the vision is there. Um, he is really, really competitive. He he drove lines, uh, the line that he was on in particular, um, and he drove defensemen nuts. Um, I, I really like his speed as well. Um, he, he creates equal amounts of what he finishes. So he's very, he's very complete as a player. And he does everything really, really well. Um, 
but yeah, he's 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 a brilliant two hundred foot player. Like like I said before, with the Russian team, they played a very defensive game as well, and he he did really well there as well. Um, he also skates a lot to where the puck is, so he forces you to make a play a play quick, which I think is important. Um, you know, great skater, like he's he's, he's a great kid, man. And you know, I first saw him at the Holinka tournament in Alberta this past year, and he was arguably the best player, like arguably. Like he, I thought he was probably the best player in Holinka. Yeah, I, you know, him and him next to uh, Lafreniere, and you know, the, that was it. Those two were a tier by themselves. Um, but yeah, he's he, he's everything a team's gonna want in a in a top six, probably top three winger who is, he, he's a difference maker. I think that's, that's a nice way of putting it. He's, he's a difference maker and he's going to be a hell of a player in a few years. Yeah. And, and he's a guy that we would, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about uh, and, and really get into. If, Ottawa finds their way and and that pick, and Colorado's pick ends up being more in the five to eight range. E, yeah. Uh, I think that's where really Pod Colson comes into play. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's the one aspect of, you know, the draft is that a lot of people aren't privy to is, is the, the interview they do. And I think that's, yeah. that's going to determine if he can, if he can nip into the top three, well, third, Let's say if he can get up to three, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the polite way of saying, it. can he get up to three? And I think that, that interview is going to be really interesting. Um, and what, what his plans are, I think from what, you know, I've read from people like Corey and uh, maybe Cam Robinson is that he's, he, he wants to develop properly. And if that means staying in Russia for an, another couple of years, he'll do it. So I think his mind's in the right place, but how many NHL teams are going to be like, we want you here, you know, September. So, right. but he's also exceptionally young. He's going to be turning 18 on June 24th. So <laughs> he, he's still, he's still a 17 year old, but Mike still a baby. He's, oh yeah. He, he ain't shaven yet. And, uh, but you know, my God, he's, he's everything like wait till he's 20 years old, filled out, you know, maybe grown a, a slight, slightly like the kid, the kid could be a dominant dot, like the next dominant Russian in the league. I think, uh, what will probably hurt him in breaking into that top three, top four is just that he's a wing. Yes. That is, and yeah, I'll agree with that. You've got centers in this draft. you got a lot of centers in this draft. And we saw last year how desperate teams are for centers. Uh, you know, Kokaniemi uh, and Barrett Hayton yep. found their way into the top five. And, you know, I think there are very real conversations about whether those two guys were among the top five prospects. Yeah. So, like, uh, that really just kind of gives you an idea, you know, about what how how far NHL teams will go to try and solve the, the issue of finding talent down the middle. Yes, and you know the easiest way to solve it is to draft it. Like in my, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like, look, great point. Like, look what, you know, teams were, like, hell, look at what Ottawa gave up for Duchesne. 
a center. Right. And, you know, you know, they were what 500 when they got him and, you know, no one saw the collapse coming, but they had to give up what they gave up to get a center. You know, look what Winnipeg right. gave up to get Paul Stasny for two and a half months and then a playoff push. I mean, look what, Look what Nashville gave up to build their entire center depth. Yeah. You know, they gave up Seth Jones, Sam Gerrard, Vladislav Kamenev, a second round pick, and then way too much money for Nick Bonino as their three C. Yep. And then their entire center depth was built on uh, imports. Yep. They didn't because they couldn't draft it. No. And then you had to pay him. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's a great point. The easiest way to do it is to draft it. And. If, you know, Pod Colson, I, oh, hey, we're not going to spend too much time on him. We spent eight minutes on this. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get into the real conversation here. Jack Hughes, Capo Cacao. Cacao scored the uh, the golden goal for Fidland. Second time uh, he's the, done in it. In the dying minutes. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> arguably was, was the better player um, than Jack Hughes at WJC's, you know. Yep. Hughes missed some time uh, with injury and which, which brings into question the size issues, mm-hmm. you know, how much, how much of a problem is it going to be? He's listed at 5'10, 168 pounds. I've always said that's real generous. Just looking at him. He looks more like he's like five, eight to me. Yep. Um, the production has always been incredible everywhere he's ever been mm-hmm. except at WJC's this year, you know, four points in four games is pretty, it's not it's not bad, obviously, no, but it's, it's it's not mortal. And for a guy that's kind of averaged two points per game every most everywhere he's ever been, mm-hmm. um, or at least pushed the two point per game barrier, uh, for him to go four points in four games against his own age group in his draft year at WJC is a little bit of a letdown, um, but certainly saw major skill. Yes. Um, where do you where do you fall on the Hughes Cacao debate today? Um, if you're drafting first, you're drafting Jack Hughes, and if you're drafting second, you're taking whoever's left. That's <laughs> it's that 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 to me is where the conversation ends. It's going to be Hughes, then it's going to be Cacao. Um, it's uh, okay. So why why the preference of Jack Hughes over over Capo Caco? I keep wanting to call him Kirby Caco. <laughs> My God, that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> may, may, part of it is probably because I've seen a lot more Jack Hughes than I have Caco. I think that to me that's that. So there is the recency bias. Like I saw him two years ago. I saw him last year. I've seen him. I've seen one under eighteen game this year. I saw him at WJC, and I really didn't see Caco uh, at all before that. Um, but Jack Hughes, man, like, like I, I do agree with uh, some people in this that he's going to be a, a hell of a left winger in the NHL. I just I don't see the center. I don't think he has the size to do it. And agree. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, because you're getting the Patrick Kane of this draft. <laughs> like that's yeah. like to me that that's the guy I always yeah. compare him. You to. you want a guy who's that he holds on to the puck. He can speed up, slow down in an instant. He makes plays. He's an exceptionally good passer. He's got off the charts IQ. He's got you know vision for miles. The kid can skate. 
And, you know, that, you know, probably if you had to put them neck and neck, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say the skating is going to be the biggest thing to take away is that I think, you know, Hughes is a, a solid step above Kako in skating. And this is a skating league now. Like you have to be able to skate. And I think to me, that's, that's the big star in, in uh, Hughes's cap is that he can skate. So that's where I would go. And that's not, that's taking nothing away from Kako. Like this is the second uh, under, you know, to, well, this under 20 and he did it again at the under 18s where he scored a goal in the gold medal game against us and Jack Hughes didn't, which I found really, really interesting. Yep. So, you know, there's going to be people are going to listen to debates from, you know, the big draft experts over the next six months about who you're taking. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Jack Hughes. Like uh, when I go ahead. I, I agree. I think it's going to be Hughes. And I think it's it's it almost may come down to which team gets the yeah. first pick. Well, like, remember the the Patrick uh, Nico Hishier year. Like that, like that's kind of where I think it might go. Probably not to that extreme, but you know, you get a team that already has, let's say, a top left winger and a top center, but you need that right wing. Why not? Right. But you know, I think if if you're doing it the way you should, or you take the best player available, that's where you go. Well, I, you know, this actually reminds me of is the Taylor Tyler draft year. Mm, where yes. you're trying to pick between Hall and Sagan, although everybody felt Sagan was a clear-cut center, mm-hmm. whereas, uh, you know, with, with Hughes, we're already talking about him as Patrick Kane. Yeah. We're already talking about moving him to the wall. Yeah. Um, which I think is the safe thing. I think that's where it ultimately ends up, et cetera, et cetera. But I, that's kind of what it reminds me of. I think there's two guys clearly at the top here um, that have separated themselves from everybody else. Yeah. And it's going to come down to kind of a dealer's choice here. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a pick your poison kind of draft where if Colorado is at the top, you know, they may, they may prefer one guy because, Hey, Ka- you know, capital cacao is great. Right. Yep. But the reality is they already have a Miko Ranton in on the right side yep. as, as a right wing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get if you get Jack Hughes, you put Jack Hughes on the left wing, and you're <laughs> arguably the top line in hockey just got better. Yep. Right. It, it's certainly, I, and this is nothing to take away from Gabe Landeskog, no, but no. it certainly would get an infusion of skill that it doesn't currently have. You would lose a little physicality and a little defense, and that's really important because that's part of what makes that line work. Yeah. But. You're talking about may uh, that's an all-star caliber line. Yeah, you you're you're you know, looking at the the best line in hockey at the cheapest possible amount of money for three years. Yeah, like it's it would be it would be insane, and you know with with Kakao, <laughs> like yeah, you'd be using the first overall pick on a guy to play the second line for you. Yeah, and that's interesting you know that's i mean this that's this is also part of colorado's luxury yeah um and we're gonna get into this in the next segment as we break down prospects and their fit for colorado so i'll kind of kind of wrap this discussion up but 
I do, I do, I do think that the preference for which guy is it's going. It could very easily come down to which uh, which team ends up with it. You know, because hey, what if what if you're Detroit? Yeah, and you get that pick. You know, right now Dylan Larkin is is your top center. Yeah, you know that might be a team that says, hey, we're maybe maybe Jack Hughes does end up uh, a left wing long term, mm-hmm. but we're we're damn sure gonna find out if jack hughes can play center first yeah you know and then and then dylan larkin ends up as a second line center which is i think much more of an appropriate role for him mm-hmm. and that makes way more sense you know well, and on you know on the flip side they could always put Kakao next to dylan larkin and be like well hey you know now we're great yeah it like for colorado like it it comes down to okay you get hughes uh do you put him on the second line and make that second line that much better or do you throw him up with uh, McKinnon and Ranton and drop Landeskog down and suddenly you got two you know excellent lines or better lines than what you have right and then with and I mean you just keep looking at these teams at the bottom of the standings you know LA I feel like LA's got to go with Hughes they need all the skill they can get they need speed you know Chicago St. Louis Philadelphia those are three teams that I think would have three different approaches to that. Yeah. You know, St. Louis has gone crazy on the centers in the last year. And, you know, depending on what they do at the deadline, which <laughs> it sounds like they're going to try to be pretty active in moving some guys out, um, could, you know, could reshape their plans. Mm-hmm. But like a team like Philly, you know, Philly's got guys down the middle already. You know, they've got, uh, you know, they just drafted Nolan Patrick. Yep. Uh, they've got Sean Couturier already. So, you know, maybe maybe that's a team that says, "Hey, Kakao has more value to us uh, than than Hughes." Yeah. And so, I think it's going to be a really fascinating debate. Um, I don't think that this is like some runaway. Jack Hughes is easily number one, and you know, ten times out of ten, you know, like what if what if Carolina misses the playoffs and yeah, and very true. gets that gets that pick right, like. That's a team that's absolutely going to be like, we're taking Jack Hughes. It's not even a conversation. We're going to pray to God that he can play center. Him. And we're going to put him next to Sashnikov. So AJ stops angrily uh, tweeting Uh, at us. No, it's. No, it's fascinating. Like, to me, if Colorado gets one, it's it's Jack Hughes and you, you move on. Like, that's me saying it, what they're thinking. I don't know. That's what I would do. And to be, they also need left wing depth. Like, uh, you know, Landis Gog's great, a great 200-foot player, having a killer year this year. Who's behind him? Like, you could make the argument it's Jost. Well, okay, he's, he's still got growing to do. You know, what about Kerfoot? Well, yeah, okay, but, you know, he plays better center. We'll see. And then who's beyond that? Like, right. Jack Hughes answers a lot of questions there, too. Well, he's a – I mean, he's – the other interesting thing about Jack Hughes is where does he play next year? Yeah. Because if he goes first overall, you know, history says he's playing in the NHL. Yes. Um, but that's a guy that because no nobody has ever made the jump from the national uh the United States development program to the NHL. And when Hughes declined to accelerate uh, you know, and go to go to school a year early and go to Michigan or something, yeah. uh, to you know, to play with his brother. Um, 
you know, it, it really created something's going to have to give if Hughes goes number one. He's either going to be the first guy, the first number one overall since Eric Johnson to not play in the NHL mm-hmm. or, you know, in the in the first year. Or he's going to be the first guy to make the jump from the DP to the NHL, which is an unprecedented leap in in skill and talent. Yeah. Uh, do you know who owns so, his uh, rights in the OHL? Uh, good question. I thought let's take Mississauga let's did. Take a quick look. Yeah, Mississauga has nice. Them. And you know, Mississauga just traded away. Uh, you know, they've traded away. Uh, Ryan, the uh, frick, what's his name? The guy went to Edmonton. Ryan McLeod, not a couple days ago, yeah. and uh, Tippett's gone now too. And didn't they get rid of Tippett? Yeah. So. You look at that, you so, add some, rebuild. you bring Jack Hughes into that possibly next year, and <laughs> they're back on top again. But, you know, so, like very great debate to be had. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think um, what I would encourage everybody to do is don't dig in. No. Like, there's no, I don't, I don't feel like there's a wrong answer in this debate. These are two great players. Yeah who have separated themselves in a very good draft class. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, until, until we know for sure where the abs pick, like let's all still be friends. (laughs) We can, we can draw our lines in the sand and, and get into the blood battles of the internet after we know where the abs are officially picking. If it ends up being first overall, it's going to be a great debate and the abs will have the ultimate opportunity to make their own luck they either set themselves up for a potential dynasty in a multiple Stanley Cup mm-hmm. run, or they they screw it up. <laughs> so you're you're getting, no you're getting a top six player who is within a year of jumping in. It's either going to be this year or it's going to be yeah. very much next year. And you know you could, I'd say yeah. there's more of a debate with when they come in in the sense that I think. Uh, Kakao could probably come into North America next year and he could do a year of AHL and I don't think people would care. I don't think so either. I think I think if they had if they got Kakao, they could easily continue to do uh what they've done with both Rantanen and Kout where you put him in the AHL, especially if Kout yeah. comes out next year and uh has a mm-hmm. good NHL season, then I think you know, that's, hey, that's a really good, um, that's a really good model that you can easily follow and just say, hey, yeah, you know, this worked for Rantanen, this worked for Kout. Obviously, Kakao was a different caliber of talent um, in his draft year than those yes. guys. So there's more of a temptation to be like, hey, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll put him in the NHL right away. And then that, that that would make your right side. Like obviously the appeal of Kakao, he's great, and it makes your the rights the, yep. the your right wing spot t- potentially dominant in in the NHL, where you've mm-hmm. got Ranton in, and then you would have Kakao, and then you would have Martin Kaut as your as your third line right wing, and then you know you'll have Matt Nieto or Matt Calvert or somebody as your fourth line right wing, who would not be, um. Who, who, you know, who would not be on the fourth line on other teams. So very, yeah, very no. intriguing situation if they were to go with Kakao, uh, who's a great, I mean, he's a great all-around player. Like, 
Yes. That's the easiest yes, way is. to describe him. He's big. He's great at everything. Yeah, tremendous hockey player. Um, for me yes. personally, I'm I'm a Hughes guy. I the skill level is just insane. Uh, the puck, just the just the puck skills alone. Just I, I love watching him play. Uh, I love the I love the skating. Although we didn't really get to see it as much at WJCs. Um, the the way that he kind of drives everything and the way that he's sort of the center of every of, of all the offense when he's on the ice. Uh I he reminds me a ton of Patty Kane. So Yeah. I, I loved it. He did he did it. There was a play in the gold medal game, and I think he got an assist on it where he drove he got the puck and drove and he somehow got the two defenders just to he he just sucked them in. And he was clearly three inches shorter than them, but he just drew them in because you just couldn't tell if he was going to shoot it or if he was going to pass. And he passed, and they scored, which I-, I love that about him. Like, he doesn't just stay against the boards. He'll get guys to suck into him, and he makes a play. And you know, watching that is just – it's like my your, your jaws on the Right. Floor. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that teams lose games on purpose to try and find. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. And both guys are great. And I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the next segment where we kind of talk about how they, these guys would fit specifically in Colorado. (laughs) We kind of got ahead of ourselves just because we couldn't resist. Um, But that's okay. Oh man. It's it's thank, thank, thank you, Ottawa. Thank you, Matt Duchesne. It's been nice. The new toy is almost here. Especially when they trade Matt Duchesne in the next few weeks. And (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I don't get Ottawa. Like, I feel so bad. You know, Ottawa, I love you, but my God, what are you doing? I think it's a great question. What are you doing oh, wow. is a great question. Uh, let's yeah. go ahead and let right. people ponder about what Ottawa is doing. Uh, before we do that, I am going to uh, <laughs> pay some quick bills for us. And remind you guys that uh, we have a really awesome deal for BSN listeners. You already know that Total Beverage uh, has the most liquor in Colorado with the best prices in Colorado. And they're now delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $50 off of a $10 or $10 off of a $50 order. I got that backwards. Uh, and have it delivered straight to your door. Make sure you have the Total Beverage app downloaded. Promo code BSN10 to to get the deal. I am AJ Hayfley. He is Luke from Winnipeg, as he prefers for me to refer to him as. So we are going to take <laughs> our second break here. Come back on the other side. Talk about our top five, top six guys and of our on our draft boards. And uh, how how excited we are, and how how much they they fit in Colorado, and kind of what the Avalanche are hurtling themselves towards now. Now that we are halfway through the NHL season, and Ottawa is dead last in the NHL, it's an exciting time. So we're gonna have a little bit of fun, and uh, if if you insist on being miserable, then you're the fun hater, not me. It's been nice. Way to go, Gary Batman. Way yeah. to go. <laughs> So true. All right, let's get a let's take our break here, get some water reset. We'll be back on the other side. This is BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by In We Go. Hey. 
Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. again. All right. Actually, back in this time for segment number three here, the BSN Avalanche <laughs> podcast. I almost called it the Broncos podcast, and I don't know why. Um, I mean, I do host one of those every week as well, but it's, I don't know. My brain is just all over the place today. Anyway, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast, segment number three here. I am AJ Hayfley alongside Luke from Winnipeg. Sort of anonymity, I guess, to continue. <laughs> You know where to find him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. You, you want to talk, go for it. Yeah. My wife and, just, uh, took a photo and called me a nerd and walked away. Wow. Thanks, Thanks babe. She's also That's pregnant, true. so she's struggling to go up the stairs, and I just got glared. <laughs> oh. Yes. True love. Yes, true love. But, hey, playoff baby. I'm happy. Uh, I'm afraid to say anything, so I'm going to just continue <laughs> on, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about last, uh, you know, last couple of years, the, the draft classes have kind of been, uh, they've been interesting, and last year obviously mattered less because the Avalanche made the postseason, and you know, they ended up picking 16th, which felt like a godsend after the last couple of years. Um. This year, thanks to uh, Pierre Dorian and Joe Sackick and, uh, you know, some some curious decision-making, <laughs> Colorado is in a, in a playoff race while also monitoring top five uh, draft picks. So, Best position to be in ever. Pretty much. There is no, there is no sadness ranking for the Avalanche this year, which nope. is always, you know, the uh, – the sadness ranking is missing the postseason and not getting the first overall pick or not getting a top five pick. Yep. That doesn't exist for Colorado right now. Ottawa is again at the bottom of the NHL standings as of today. Let's uh let's talk about where some of these guys would fit. We kind of got into this a little bit last segment with uh with Hughes and Kakao, but again, with Hughes, I think he probably moves to the left wing. You drop him in on that top line ultimately, and you know, you you see what happens, or he becomes a superstar left wing on a second line from hell. Yeah. I don't see a downside either way. Uh, Kakao is not going to supplant Miko Rantanen on your top line. He's just <laughs> not. <laughs> so, um, I mean, same and same same thing is true of uh, Vasily Podkolzin. He's not going to yep. take over for Miko Rantanen on the on the right yeah. on the right side on your top line. Uh, Podkolzin would be interesting because you know again, like that would give you a right wing depth of uh, of Rantanen, Podkolzin, and Kout. And mm-hmm. I mean, then I mean you're you're very well off at that point. 
You're a uh, solid three-line team that will most likely shut down another team and score five goals a game. Right. And realistically, you could be looking at a third line of Tyson Jost, Shane Bowers, and Martin Kaut. Yeah. And three first three first round picks on your third line. Yeah. And your second line is, you know, Kerfoot, Comfer, Pud Colson. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. Uh would would certainly be fun, I think. It yes. What what really gets interesting is when we get into some of these other guys here. Um say they have the third pick. We've already ruled out Pud Colson. Hughes and Kako have gone one and two to the teams that uh, got the lottery luck. Colorado sitting at number three. As of today. As of they today. They were recording this. January 6th. Who would you take with the third with the third selection? Joe Sackig is walking up, and he is taking Dylan Cousins from Lethbridge. Okay, so we agree. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Just give me, give me the rundown on Cousins. Give me why Cousins, how he fits, uh, what he can do for what what he can do for the Avs organization. Um, he's he's a great player. Um, he went 19th overall in the 2016 Bantam Draft. He's, you know, I, he's toolsy. There's there's a word we haven't said this podcast when it comes to prospect. He's toolsy. He does a lot of things really really well. Somewhere, um, somewhere, Andre Simone's ears just perked up because he heard his favorite word. <laughs> toolsy. He's very. He's a very complete toolsy player. He does everything very well. Like you talk about Kako being, you know, very very good. This guy is very very good, but up a notch. And he's a center. And he's six three. He's a big boy. And he can skate. Like if that's if that's not enough selling, he's a skater. Um, for Lethbridge right now, he's on a he's on the second line. Um, he started off the year as a right wing on their top line, but as they went and got Nick Henry and another kid out of Regina, uh, he got bumped down. And you know that's a great second line and position to be in if you're Lethbridge. But you know Dylan Cousins, he he's a powerful skater. He uh, he gear he's a gear up type of skater. Um, I'm not going to compare him to Connor McDavid, but when you watch Connor McDavid play, you can tell when he's gearing up to start getting faster and faster and faster as he goes through the defensive zone, through the neutral zone, and he's you know 100 miles an hour into the offensive zone. That's kind of how I see him as a skater. Um, he's got a brilliant first step, um, and I love the work ethic. The kid works hard. Um, he's also a really, really good penalty killer. And I think that's another great thing to add in your tool belt, especially for a kid who needs to break into the NHL, who might not necessarily start on your second line. So let's say he, he comes in in two years, goes back next year, destroys the WHL, comes in the following year. You can start him on your, you know, your right side on the third line with, let's say Bowers and Joes, for example, whoever it may be. And he's also penalty killing. So, I mean, we're we're forgetting about Carl Soderberg in this conversation. Yeah, just because we're looking we're looking long term. Like Soderberg, yeah. it may be a year, right? Yeah. But like Soderberg, we've got one year left of Carl, and then we expect he will uh, halfway see his way on out. Yes. So, 
Um, yeah, so that's yeah. yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to jump too ahead, but you know, you know, I'm a very like when I get asked about kids, it's very much I look at their system. Where do they fit in? And to me, like start off, start them on the third line, start them on your second line penalty kill unit, and just let them grow. And you know, whoever's on, whoever's centering the third line, like it doesn't really matter. Soderberg, let's say for now, because he's here. Great. Who cares? That's where he's going to start. But he eventually will be your 2C. He's got the size to, you know, match up really well in the central division. You know, Winnipeg and Nashville are big boy teams. You know, Chicago and, you know, depending how they do, their defense is not going to be a terrible defense come five years. Um, you look at St. Louis and, well, God knows what they're doing. And then, but you add in Arizona in a couple of years and, you know, they've drafted quite high as well and they've got kids coming in. And, you know, I think he'd be a great complement to that second line. Let's say JT and uh, Kerfoot's on it. That's a good combination of speed and skill and two-way ability. And yeah, you're, get, you're getting a very complete player. There we go. Well, it, he's going to be the two now he's he's your two C of the future. Um, who knows what happens? Kind of with uh, you know, pro, like what happens if Joe's just takes that two C spot? Then guess what? You got your future two right wing guy. Like that's what right. you're getting. You're getting a top six guy, most likely your second round liner. Like, that's what you're getting. Okay, so what? Um, so cousins. Yeah. He's got that. He's he's got that. <laughs> he's he's got that versatility to either be your two C, your two two right wing, you know, whatever it ends up being. Uh, his timeline: Would you say he needs one year, one more year, so he gets drafted? 2019, 2019, he uh, 2019, 2020 season, he goes, he stays in the WHL with Lethbridge, and then does he make the leap, or do you maybe take a longer? Hey, we really don't want to screw this up. We're going to make sure we get it right with this guy. We're going to put him in the WHL for two years. Um, right. If I were to guess today, I think he the the next year he needs to be in the WHL, and unless he comes in and proves everybody wrong, then that's where he's going to stay. Um, I think two would be pushing it, but. You know, if he comes in and he's ready, then he's ready. And if he's not quite ready, you have to send him back. So you, you're going to be doing the Cody Glass type thing with him. And I think it, his second year, he'd be it'd be kind of a waste of a year. So okay. I would I would say one year for sure after he's drafted, and then see what happens. I think you try and I think if the team is built the way I think it will be, I think there's a spot open for him on the right wing on the third line. Let's say with Bowers, for example, and I think that's also a great place for him to, you know, slowly come in. Like you're not putting him on the fourth line where he's getting, you know, dick all minutes. He's on the third line where he should be getting at least ten to twelve. Plus, you can give him, you know, uh, power, you know, penalty kill time. He's a kid you could probably throw in the second unit power play if you really needed to, but you can slowly bring him in. And you know, the ABS seem to like developing their, you know, top high-end talent in the NHL. Like, they, they seem to do that. So I think that's probably what will happen. But 
it, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to him. He has to prove everyone wrong to get in this year, which I don't think he will. I think the one year in dub and then come in is probably where I see it. Okay. That's that. That's my. That's what I would do. Okay. Uh. Well, let's let's move on down to the uh, to another guy that I mean, honestly, we're we could honestly just have the same exact conversation about. Uh, different guy, but also in the dub out there, Kirby Dak. Yep. Uh, Doc's long. He's long been one of my favorites. Uh, anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that I have been lusting after Kirby Doc for a long time. <laughs> uh, never imagining the Avalanche would be in a position to actually draft him. So this is kind of silly. Um, what 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 is there to like about about Doc? How would he fit in Colorado, and what would his timeline look like? Um, first thing you notice about him, A, is his size. He's a, he's a big boy, like six, four, you know, 200 pounds. Like he, he's, right. And he, that's the difference between him and cousins. They're both big, but, uh, doc is filled out significantly more yeah, than cousins has already. Yeah. He's, he's a, already got 25 pounds on him. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a man already. Um, you know, he's. He's got elite vision, man. Like it's it's vision and IQ all day with him. He's he's very much the guy who's a pass first. Um, he's very offensive. He's got great hands for a guy that size. Um, he's learning this year to how to use his big frame as well, which something he didn't do last year. Um, so he's using his big frame, and uh, yeah, pizza will be great. We're having pizza tonight. Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, he's 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 very much a yeah. He's pure vision. Like that's what you're getting out of him. And he and he's a good skater for his size. Like he like he's not gonna blow you away with his speed. But he's a solid Better skater. skater. Cousins or Doc? Uh, cousins. Okay. More physical player. Uh cousins better defender Ooh. i'd probably say they're you know cousins just because he plays the pk but i think they're fairly equal five and five better shooter uh cousins but not by much better passer <laughs> doc all the way Doc, doc by a lot oh yeah he's he's very very good at getting the puck protecting it and finding the open guy where dylan is very much if he gets it he knows where he's going with it and usually it's to the net and he's hoping someone is in and around it to do something with it better fit for colorado as strictly as uh center I'd say Dylan Cousins. Okay. And it's it's not by much. It's very for me I have it I've had Doc ahead of Cousins all year until the last basically 2 weeks. Mhm. Um so uh it's it's razor thin and and personally I don't think there's a wrong decision there. No. No there's uh, not. Um I feel like they're so similar and it's it's really both guys would work well. The, I would say um, that Doc's 
predilection for playmaking is more of a concern for me if he's dropped in between Kerfoot and Comfer or, you know, maybe a Jost. Yeah. Because uh, I I feel like those are already some passive guys. Yes. Uh, especially that's... Kerfoot. And I would want a little bit more aggression and a, a guy that's a little more comfortable uh, driving the offense himself and, and just doing it himself and, and shooting mm-hmm. a little bit more. He'd, he'd so compliment for cousins for that. He'd, he'd compliment JT a lot more in my from where I'd stand. In the sense they both cousins play, or Doc. Uh, Doc would. There'd be a little more of a compliment because they both do. Like Kirby will is a lot more of a passer, as in Cousins is a little more of a similar type to what JT is. Okay. Um. We haven't talked about a single defenseman. <laughs> nope. Uh, is there a chance Colorado takes a defenseman in the top, say, six? E- yes. I, th- I think there would. It feels small. I, th- I think if they had six, I think there's a big conversation. And the guy that I think we agree, uh, top top defenseman in this year's draft is uh, Bowen Byram, out of also out of the dub. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, left-handed, good size, not not great size, um, but high high IQ can do everything. Uh, has thirty two points in thirty seven games for the Vancouver Giants this year, ten of which are goals. Yep. Which I always like defenders who can score goals in in juniors because that usually translates mm-hmm. um, interesting guy can do a little bit of everything um, given Colorado's uh, you know, the McCarr Timmons Malosh right side of their, their future defense mm-hmm. theoretically anyway, um, you know, in the presence of Johnson and Barry, you know, him being a lefty, I think is, is at least intriguing. Um, I like his game a lot. I think he's the uh I think he's the the top guy. Um the the top defenseman in this year's draft, but I I don't think it should be a conversation for Colorado unless they are picking I think, I would say 6. I think 6 is that's where I think you you have the you look across and go right who's left. And I yeah, and and the conversation you could be having, I mean, we could be talking about uh, you know, Alex Turcotte or Trevor Zegra, or we could be talking you know, about Peyton Krebs uh, could be up there too. Thank you. Peyton Krebs. So we may not even be done having the forward conversation, no. but I felt we should at least mention, hey, there is also There's... a defenseman in the top ten. Yeah. Just the one. Yeah, he's I d- yeah, out of all the defensemen in this draft, I think he's he's the clear cut top ten. You know, you could make you you could make a case for maybe Proberg. You know, that name's starting to float around a bit more. You know, yeah, it's, he didn't do enough. He hasn't done enough. But there's not, you know, yeah. yeah. But you know, he's the only one I would consider. And I think if they're at seven eight, I think that's when the conversation gets kind of loud. Um, he, he'd shore up that left side very, very well. Um, well, let's, uh, 
let's i mean well that's that'll be that that's kind of like a disaster scenario right where if they end up with like pick six through nine yeah that's when you, you know that's that's something has gone horribly yeah. wrong suddenly matt duchene got traded and that team started playing well <laughs> right. <laughs> but all right well let's uh since we're also here uh we're talking a little bit of draft let's the abs also have their own first round pick at least as of today um let's let's each one guy mid first round guy maybe let's say mid first round guy because right now the abs are uh they would be in position to have like the 18th pick or something (laughs) right now if if everything fell today you know if it all went the way that it was today They'd have like pick eighteen somewhere yeah. right in there. So, mid first round guy, give me one guy that you like, and I will allow you to take my guy if you would. Like. <laughs> um, well, I'll let you take that. I'll, I'll let, let it, you take I'll, that one. No, are you sure? I'll let. I'll give it to you because I got another guy I like. It's fine. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, but we'll yeah. have three then because I'll I'll add someone different. We'll talk about that guy because I like him too. Um. Okay. I kind of like. Uh, Ralph uh, Lavoie out of Halifax. Um, he's he's definitely fallen back a bit from I think the beginning of the year. Um, he's also a lot older, but he, he's a guy who who's going to spend another year in Halifax. He's a right winger, you know. Again with the forwards, um, he's got size. Uh, he's not flashy, very meat and potatoes type guy. Um, he's got great hands for his size. Um, being in the mid rounds, there's going to be a lot more warts in his game, and he really needs to clean up his defensive zone. Um, but you know, he's six four. He's pushing two hundred pounds, I believe. Um, he can play penalty kill, which I think is uh, great, um, and he's a goal scorer. He will drive the net. He will stay in the slot. You can't push him out of the slot, and you get him the puck, and it's gone. Like I, I wouldn't pick him in the top ten. I think uh, Memorial Cup is gonna sh- show why he's a solid pick for this uh, mid round pick, and that's kind of where I would go mm-hmm. as one example as of today. So, but he's you know throw him back to Halifax next year, and then see he'll probably go to the AHL for a year and then step in. It's probably my kind of timeline for him. But he's a mid mid winger for the abs. I uh, have long expressed my distaste for power forward types. <laughs> so uh, it's and I it's funny that you mentioned him because I had a long conversation about him a couple days ago uh, in the press box before the Rangers. Ah. Um, talking talking with somebody about uh, Lavoie in particular and and. This person was a big fan. I was less. Yeah, it's the the biggest like issue right now is there's like for me is there there's a lot of kids in Europe who I I like. I just haven't seen enough of them to go. No, he's supplanting him yet. Like that's that's where I'm at with him. And there there are some kids who are playing like the in the U.S. development who I like, but they're playing lesser of opponents. And they're tearing up against USHL guys. When as soon as they start hitting the NCAA guys, it's like, ooh, maybe they're just not as good. 
yet. But it's it, to me, it's a it's a name worth mentioning. Like he's a lot better than you know Arthur Clev, in my opinion. Yeah, I for me that guy's a bunch of red flags. So we're yes. gonna stay away from him. We'll when we get closer to draft season, we'll have to talk about him a lot more, if only in the context of Brandon Sajan and what he's done in his yes, season. Yes, Brandon Sajan has carried um, him. I I'm gonna go with a uh, guy that I'm gonna mention is Matthew Robertson, uh, defenseman for the Edmonton Oil yep. Kings. He was yep. <laughs> um, talk about I mean you talk about big yes. <laughs> uh, he's already got it. He's already six four, right about two hundred pounds. So he's already filled out <laughs> very nicely. Uh, having a good year for the Oil Kings. You know he's producing offense at a clip that is at a much higher rate than it was uh, previously, but I like it. I like the two way yep. game. I like, I don't love, I don't love the skating, but I like the reads and I like, uh, I like the way he defends. Uh, he's and, and his transition from defense to offense is, is smooth. And it, it, it makes sense. It's not sexy. He's not, he's not going to, you know he's not going to end up on very many highlight no, reels, he's not. but it's effective. He, yeah, um, and I, I like that. I, I mean, when you're talking about a mid first round defenseman, like you're probably not going to get crazy playmaking ability no. without without a major downside. Yeah. But you know, you also do call out <laughs> um, need more, you know, five ten putt guys who are going to skate from one end of the ice to the other. Right, like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely think that uh, Robertson's a guy that he is be a really good fit. Uh, makes yes. a lot of sense, and you know, again, left side, good size, uh, and it's not like you're picking between offense and defense. You're going to get a little bit of both with him. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to get a really, really physical defender. Um, I don't, I don't think he's like, like I don't know that he would ever like lead the league in hits or anything no he um, i want he uh i watched a game of his probably about two months ago and in in my notes it said could have it said it basically said could have ran him over but took the puck instead <laughs> and i was like oh yeah he does that a lot so he's yeah it's, it's like you said he's not gonna he's not the door off he's not gonna go out there and smoke a right. fool he will make the smart play first and if that happens to be you hit him really hard, he'll do it. But he, he generally knows, like from what I've seen, that if he does that and takes himself out of the play, there's someone else taking the putt for him. Um, you know, he's he's also great on the penalty kill. Like I think that's what I like about him. And he just he seems to be the kid who like if the game's getting away, he'll he'll slow everything down. Which I which I really like. Yeah. He's I think He's a guy that I think probably does not stay in the middle of the first round as the year continues to go on. And depending on how he interviews, this is a guy that, you know, I mean, he's a six foot four defenseman who, who can skate and do a little bit of everything. This is teams are falling all over themselves for guys like this every year. So, uh, yeah, I would be surprised if, if he actually lasted to wherever Colorado ended up using their own selection. 
Yeah, if if they you said you had a third name, so which uh, which one you got? You know, it's it's probably he's going to go a lot earlier, but you know there are a lot of kids who are pushing. But I'm going to I'm going to throw Peyton Cribs in there. I just have okay. to. I love this kid. Um, he might be the best all around winger, you know, in the draft. Well, not you know take out outside the top two, but he does everything. He's a brilliant penalty killer. He's a brilliant power play specialist. The offense and Kootenai just drive through him. Like, he's the guy. And he's a generally awesome dude. Um, he's, he's a kid you want. Like, if you're in a game seven in playoffs, he's a kid that's going to be out there for you. Like, that's how good he is. Um, and, you know, whoever gets him, like, you could potentially put a C on him. Like, that. that's the kind of guy and character and skill level you're getting with him. And, you know, I've seen drafts where he's in that middle of the pack, which I think would be an absolute steal if he landed there and abs got him with their own pick, like, especially if they're in the playoffs, but yeah. he's there. There's so much to like about this kid. And I mean, that won't happen. He won't fall no. that far. If, if he, if he gets, if he's still there at 15, someone made a mistake. <laughs> uh, several someone's made yes, big so, mistakes. Yes, someone. That's that's all. I'm not going to say a fireable offense, but you're getting a tongue lashing. Like realistically, when we're Peyton Krebs is a guy that we could be talking about if the Avs are picking sixth. Yeah, definitely. I would like. That's you know, based he's in on that what, conversation for me. Yeah, I think based on how they've you know prioritized guys like from let, let's take the Ranton draft. Like, wasn't it, uh, it was Rantan, Barzell, and Kyle Connor. Like, those were the three. Like, you look at this draft, and, you know, outside of those two, I bet you he's in that conversation as being the next big winger for them. Like, he has to be. Like, he's so good. (laughs) Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, let's, let's just take away. He's very good. And if they get him at 15, someone got someone screwed up. Yeah, there are multiple scouting directors that will be bagging groceries. Yes. Like in in no time at all. Yeah. So All right, let's uh let's go ahead and call this a day. Each of our segments has gone about 30 minutes, so this is an <laughs> ultra long uh Monday podcast for everybody. Um yeah, so hopefully people enjoyed it. Uh, Luke, I want to say thank you, sir, for coming on to the show. Um, I was excited when we started talking about this, um, you know, a couple days ago, uh, post WJCs. So I, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad you came on and uh, dropped some dropped some insight with us. Hopefully, it won't be the last time that uh, that you join us, sir. No, no, this, this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for uh, having me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next, uh, you know, a BSN uh, avalanche podcast that to do with draft prospects. And uh, yeah, anytime you want to talk prospects, give me a, give me a shout and we'll make something work. Awesome, man. Well, it's, uh, it's been my pleasure, sir. Thank you for coming on. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, if you didn't rude. <laughs> this is uh this has been the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you tomorrow.